welcome to Stargirl Podcast. This is Lizzie, and I'm here with Angie. And today we are going to talk about episode five of Stargirl titled Our Man and Dr. Midnight. Angie, what did you yeah. think about this episode in comparison to the last one in particular? I mean, if you're comparing it to Wildcat, like nothing compares to Wildcat. So it, it was fine. I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it as much as I liked the Wildcat episode. I feel like those episodes could have def this episode specifically could have been separated into two really strong episodes had they chose to focus on either Beth or Rick. But combining them, I feel like it was done the best that it could be. I think it could have been better had they been separated and given a little bit more time. What did you think? I think the tone was off because Beth and Rick are so different characters mm -hmm. um, that the tone of the episode was a bit uneven because when we were just with Beth, it was like happy and late. And she, even though Courtney wasn't taking her seriously, their personalities match so much better. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. then every time we went to Rick, it was a little darker and a little more depressing. And I wonder if that's the reason why we didn't get two episodes. They didn't want to do an episode that was as dark as if they'd only done Our Man as one episode. That makes sense. And then I wonder, I wonder if it could have been done better then, or is this just the best that it could have gotten? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I just think, I think part of what made the episode harder is that Rick is a really, really complicated character. I mean... Honestly, when I watched the episode, I was like, do I even like him? And then I tried to like <laughs> breathe and I was like, well, not everyone can be Courtney. Like we can't expect every character to be bright and happy and bubbly. And her journey is probably towards becoming a bit darker, hopefully not losing what makes her Courtney. But she's going to have to learn while well, his journey is probably going to be the other way around. He, he's going to learn to be lighter. He's going to learn to have friends. He's going to learn to have fun and smile and all the things that were sort of taken from him because of circumstances. I hope it's the latter because I think part of the appeal of this show is that it is brighter and happier, which we're not getting necessarily as much of in the superhero TV genre. So I hope that they lean more into Courtney influencing rick in that way and potentially him getting happier yeah i mean he'll at least have i mean i know that bet played the whole like we eat lunch together but they weren't friends they were people no. who sat in the losers table um and i think if anyone could benefit from having friends i mean okay we'll agree that yolanda could also benefit a lot from having friends like beth like I think she'll be happier with friends, but she seemed to be fine. I mean, quote unquote, she wasn't really fine. She was having dinner with her mom, but like but she, every day, right? But she didn't seem to be as weighed down by the fact that she didn't have friends. No, and I think that that makes her character so interesting too. Is that she manages to be more of a light-hearted character, but clearly going through some stuff of her own. So it is kind of, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of reflective of like the different ways that teenagers cope with issues. Because I, I know like I haven't been a teenager in a while, but I feel like we all had our own problems and we're so like individual in how we deal with them, you know? Right. And 
I mean, I think it's interesting that Courtney thinks her bond with Rick is that they're both kids of original JSA members, and we are pretty sure that's not true. In the case of Courtney, it is. Mm-hmm. In the case of Rick. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how, if ever they're going to bond. Like, you you get the sense, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be at all comics, um, following the comics if they wanted to throw a romance in there with Rick. But I didn't get any sense of that whatsoever. And I'm really happy because it feels like every time they put in, like, a white boy and a white girl, it's always going to be romance. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm cackling. (laughs) Yes, that is very true. That is very true. I'm glad that they also decided not to give them any sort of romantic chemistry at all. If anything, they're kind of butting heads right now, but not in like the like romantic kind of way. Right. Like it's. It's very different, I feel. So I hope we continue going down that path. Yeah, it was more like they were sort of creating a team that had more like a sibling vibe um, than any romantic. And again, it wouldn't be comic accurate for Courtney to have any kind of romance with him. But then Mm -hmm. again, any comic accurate romance for Courtney would have to come much later considering, I mean, at this point, they could bring anyone into this show um yeah uh when we were doing season zero i think i talked about like are they gonna bring in adam smasher because he was important to courtney in the comics and i think potentially like her first kiss or was that someone else yeah that that, he's the one i have in mind and they could really bring him it it Uh wouldn't be a big problem um probably more in season two than now Mm. um and maybe even like I I like the idea that they're not going for the typical teenage romance type of show, even because most of the superhero shows in the CW have been more romance focused than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I, I I would love to have a team of people who are like growing together and even growing to like each other as friends. Mm, that's so wholesome i i also hope that that's what they continue going towards um i would i want to bring up that flashback that that this episode started with um yeah nine years ago with baby rick tyler um here's my question why did the mom also leave right why is just the one parent who's a superhero bye but like the other parent stays behind i wonder why the mom also left i don't know i my note to that effect says superheroes and family don't really end well um but but yeah um but why did she she leave with him and why solomon grundy right of i mean i get that he's kind of like the muscle of the group so that I guess uh, I guess it kind of makes sense but he's certainly not one of like if you're gonna go after our man like one of the core members of the JSA wouldn't you send one of the like head injustice society people 
you know, I don't get the sense that they're very organized in the injustice <laughs> society. Maybe that's what no. it is. And like Grundy was no. the one who happened to be free that night. So he decided <laughs> to take care of it. <laughs> but but also we saw the JSA. We saw how they died. They almost all of them died together. Why did they go after Rex Tyler by himself? Presumably first. Wasn't. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. The pilot episode isn't that a 10 years ago flashback? And this is a nine years ago flashback. Oh, you are right. So they went after him last. Then that makes it a better question. How did he get away? How I want to know what happened him? in that year. Right. How did they find him? How did he get away? And why? I mean, not why he got away, but like, how, like did he just like pretend to be dead and something? Um, I don't know. Like... And how is, I mean, I assume the question to everything now is going to be Dr. Midnight. When I ask how are they going to mm-hmm. find out, the goggles are going to tell them everything now, I assume. I freaking love those goggles. It's very Iron Man AI. Right. It's delightful. It's super fun. And I I really like the way they made Beth, like, relate to them. Like, she feels mm-hmm. like the right person for them, especially because she was so excited at new information. Mm-hmm. So Yes. And it gave, like, a really good opportunity to, like, bring up even more Easter eggs for us because it was, like, scanning everything. So I was pausing it a lot during all of those scenes. Like, I paused it on, like... Beth's report card and I paused it when it went through like um Courtney's little board that she has of photographs and stuff and I was reading all those captions and right. then when um when Beth asked about Charles McNider did you see that this guy was born in 1914 I did not notice that oh so it's like Comics accurate, I feel, but how did this man stay alive until 2010? Right. Again, yeah, there, more there are a lot of things. Yes, and a lot of things feels feel to me like they're setting them up to be answered much later. Like this might not be an answer we get in season one or two. Um, they're just throwing everything out there, and then some of it will stick now, and then some of it won't come back for a while. Also. Most importantly, when um, it was giving information about Charles McNider, it said psychic colon hootie. And I wrote down, hootie, I am going to cry. That owl is still waiting somewhere. I thought Courtney took hootie. Where is this owl? (laughs) I I thought Courtney took the owl too, but it doesn't make sense that she did because she didn't, she only took like the stuff that she could put in the bag, which Pat, come on. Like any <laughs> self like self-respecting parental figure would have been like, Courtney, what is that thing you're like lugging around? Like honestly, that bag um, was okay. big enough to fit a body. Like Pat could have been very concerned about what Courtney's been up to. Like Pat really gives her too much of the, the benefit of the doubt. Even though at the end, like we sort of figured that he wasn't going to find out till the end. Even though they had a nice conversation at the earlier in the episode where he was like, I'm starting to think you might be right. It's like, oh, Pat, progress here. But you also need to be a parent and be like, Courtney, you're acting weird. Why? Because she was acting super weird. She was like, 
You can do your job, Pat. I'm just going to go to school. And Pat should have been like, giant bag. And Pat should have been like, wait, you just want to go to school? That's weird. What are you planning? Right. No one just wants to go to school, let alone go to school with an enormous body-sized bag. (laughs) Ain't no teenager doing that. God. Although it did, like... (laughs) I really enjoy just like the physical comedy of it because literally that bag is like as big as she is. So she's like lugging it around while following Rick. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, but also what else is in the bag? Because what we've seen isn't enough to fill the bag the way it looks. I was like, That's what true. else are you carrying there, Courtney? Like, do you have a literal body? Because <laughs> the goggles, like the everything owl. We... <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> Poor hootie. <laughs> oh. Free hootie. Uh, 2020. Uh, <laughs> our new hashtag. <laughs> and also, we got a look at Artemis Croc. Oh, we got a look at Stella. Stella's mint of we feel as a friend of the podcast in this episode. Yes. More of a look at her than we've gotten before. I like she, that um, she is confirmed the best athlete in the whole school you go girl not like best girl athlete just best athlete period that's awesome right. and also i really appreciate her tackling a dude it's just that was a chef's kiss moment i loved it it was a fun scene too because i mean there there has been a lot of stuff going on in the background um, of episodes that they've been kind of building towards like for example this episode we saw Henry Jr. Uh, sort of get power. Oh, I like, know. I wanted he... to talk to you about that. Yeah. So, I mean, we I, we always expected it. And when we pulled him out of the nameless white boys um, pile, we it wasn't because he we thought he was going to be like a good guy. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. I'm still questioning that relationship between he and Cindy. It seems like they don't really like each other that much. Do you get that feeling? Right. Like, um, there was a second there when I thought that it might be, but but they're still together. Like, it might have been something their parents had something to do with. Mm. Um, Because why are they together and then the whole thing with the picture in yolanda like because we still haven't gotten a real explanation of what happened how could cindy have the picture to send it to everyone else did henry jr send it to her or was she have some weird powers that turned technological like how did she get it like i'm not even trying to absolve henry jr here i still think he is um, not great and he did not stand up for Jolanda so it's not like I'm like go team Henry Jr but how did she get it like just because I like things to be explained right it's certainly possible that someone is blackmailing someone else behind the scenes whether that's the parents or the kids but yeah it still hasn't been confirmed at all and I just don't buy their relationship like Cindy doesn't seem very empathetic at all and uh, Henry Jr. doesn't really seem to want to spend time with her either. Like, yeah, he's going through family stuff too, but do we actually see them cozy, like, being no. cute at all during the past couple episodes? I feel like I haven't. 
we saw them like walking together, but like being very cute, not really. Like just mm. standing together, like being in the same place together at school, which makes sense. But like again, why are they really together? How did it happen after Yolanda? I think it's very questionable, and we should keep our eye on that relationship. Yep, especially as we know who their parents are. Um, but at least we now have our JSA in a way that was kind of like, it was kind of like, I don't want to make a J.K. Rowling reference, so I'm going to try to say this another way. It's sort <laughs> of like their magical objects shows the person who would be best for them. <laughs> You're trying. You're trying so hard, but kind of failing. But yes, it was. (laughs) It is very much that. Yes. And I like that the items seem to have sentience of their own, which is kind of cool. Like the hourglass um, reacts to Rick. The glasses somehow react to Beth and not the dog like for a second I thought like the dog would accidentally put on the goggles and we would have like a really entertaining scene that's not what we got unfortunately but I do like the like the visuals of the different relics like the visual of the hourglass itself I thought was really cool like our man like I said before has never been one of my favorites so they would need to do something really cool with him like visually with his suit and with his yeah hourglass necklace thingy so I think they're kind of accomplishing that I'm actually really impressed again with the visuals of this show Uh, yeah visually it was good I'm still sort of Rick is my least favorite so far but like I'm still I'm still interested in him um there was a good moment and not a good moment in that oh Rick but there he had a good line when he was talking to Courtney about Something like, do you know what it's like to be so filled with anger that you feel like you're poisoning yourself? Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, that's very introspective for a kid. Um, and then he's doing it all for revenge. And like, Courtney's like, let's save the world. Um, even though it, deep down, she probably does feel like she wants a little revenge for her quote unquote dad. But Yolanda and Rick have been full on, this is revenge. Um, mm-hmm. So I. I, I assume part of the journey of them and the JSA is to get to that place of, oh, we're doing this for the greater good and all of that. Yeah, I think that these teens have a lot to learn about superheroing because we know from like reading comics and watching stuff that these kinds of re- revenge quests, they're not very fulfilling and your hero career isn't going to last on just vengeance alone. So you're right. I think there is going to be some sort of trajectory where they all get on board with doing these heroic things for the greater good of the people. Yep. Um, And I I actually think that's interesting as a setup for, I mean, what else are they going to do? Are they going to give us a JSA and then it's all going to be perfect because we already have the JSA? They have to have some sort of journey, even as a group. Um, So I think that's an interesting journey for them to go on. And mm-hmm. then there are the individual journeys. Like, I mean, Rick has growth to do. And also, why did the hourglass not work all the time? I know. Yeah, I was wondering that because it's not like his DNA was changing, right? Right. So that's so why like, I was thinking, like, 
there is got to be some sort of sentience there where like the staff decides when when to chirp you know and like the hourglass decides when to like it's they seem to have personalities of their own these little items right and then the interesting thing becomes how how do the items have personality and why did the items choose the people the people they did how, how did it come to like was it in the plans Did the original JSA members plan for other people at one time to take over like whoever be worthy will be Thor or something like that is like was yeah. that a plan <laughs> or, just, or the items are just super smart now I'm just imagining like Starman like throwing the staff like Thor's hammer <laughs> that's a fun visual uh yeah there's still so many questions about how how the original jsa functioned how were they still alive in 2010 again like how many how many people were actually in that jsa because yeah we saw all those banners but those could have just been like the stars like there could have been even more at that table we we don't know was there a second table with like (laughs) They're like kitty members, <laughs> like like at a wedding where you like seat all the right. people who aren't as important to the bride and groom further away. Is there like one of those tables in the corner? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there are some members uh, we saw their banners, uh, but Courtney didn't pick up any objects from them that we know. Again, she could have had anything in the bag, mm-hmm. including like an actual body. So uh, I, I know they're trying to be smart with the Easter eggs they're throwing our way, but like there's a lot there, especially, I mean, I assume at some point we'll go back to the JSA headquarters, um, especially now the Pat knows. Poor Pat. Poor especially Pat. He's going to have to be parent to everyone now. So my favorite Pat moment of this week, let's, Let's get into our favorite Pat moments for a second because I feel like we have to do this every week. Him being so adorable and bringing a carburetor for Rick. Right. Like, that's like, that is straight up like boyfriend status. Like, that is something your boyfriend tries to do for you when he's trying to impress you. Like, I know he was trying to, like, check it out and see if Rick was actually Rick Tyler. Like, I know there was ulterior motives, but still, it was so sweet. And he had it in, like, a little box. I just, again, he's just the most adorable man in the world. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, I mean, I know I I know that he was sort of trying, like, he said his name, the kid, and then he mentioned the car, and he was like, wait... Um, but there's also a level of Pat is just a good person. Um, and oddly enough, we've gotten to, to the point where it seems like Pat and Barbara and Courtney are like are the, the most well, like the, the healthiest family in the Valley. How did that even happen? Like, do you remember when we started and we were like, oh, this family is going to take a while. And now they're like, in comparison... Oh, yeah. Yeah. All of these families like Beth is super dependent on her parents, like to a point where you need to be concerned, you know, like if I were an adult and I saw that I would be concerned for Beth. Um, Rick's uncle is I wrote butthole in our show notes because we're trying not to swear on this podcast. 
So Matt is a butthole. Um, is. Yolanda's parents. We talked about that last week. So how yeah. is it that Courtney has like the healthiest family dynamic? How did that happen? Right? I mean, it's weird because we didn't think it was going to be like that when she was introduced. But it also reinforces the idea that Pat is going to be end up being the parental figure to all of these kids. I mean, I assume if, we're, if the next episode is called The Justice Society of America and Pat already knows the next logical step is for Pat to be like, who did you give the items to and what are we getting ourselves into, Courtney? And Courtney's going to have to be like, hi, well, meet all these people who are now superheroes like us. And Pat's going to be like, oh, God. He's going to be like, oh, God. And then how do you like your eggs in the morning? Because I'm right. making you kids breakfast. Right. Um, because he's the best dad. He is. And I, I, it also, I just thought about it, introduces an interesting thing. He knew Rick's dad. And mm-hmm. Rick probably doesn't, like, Matt doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to tell him, like, nice stories about his parents. Um, and then they are... Being a superhero, that uh, Pad would know that his uncle wouldn't be. Anyway, um, that's true. Oh, he'll probably like tell him fun stories about his dad because he like Rick was really young, right? I'm pretty bad at placing kids' ages. How old would you say he was? Like nine or so, eight. Oh, right. Because if they're in high school now, and it was nine years ago, they're probably like sixteen on the show. Right. Oh, yeah. Minus nine. Yeah. So I studied English in college. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, let's say seven. Yeah, he could have been seven or eight. Yeah. Um, Which is old enough to remember, but also that that makes it sad because he's old enough to remember the difference between being with his parents and with his uncle, who, who. it almost, almost seems to me like there's something else going on with Matt. Because, I mean, he was an asshole, uh, a butthole. I am sorry. Uh, Aww. He, We're trying. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't make it the whole podcast. Uh, but, like, he, it, he said from the beginning he didn't know how to take care of a kid. He didn't seem thrilled. But from that to, like, basically abusing the kid, it, it felt yeah. like the thing deteriorated badly i was like okay that whole line he had about you'll never understand what you cost me i'm like huh right like who says that to a kid who says that to someone you're related to that you're raising like who does that that is messed up right he almost seemed funnily enough they done this thing where they have shown us villains acting in good ways and people who are not supposed to be actual super villains acting worse than some of the villains like we know the magician wasn't perfect but he was a good dad he Um, was and joey was so sweet right and then Matt is not a super villain but he is a butthole the biggest butthole right a gaping enormous (laughs) this is getting too graphic i'm sorry but yes, so, I mean, I I do think that they're working towards a message of family isn't just blood. Um, 
these kids can become family to each other. And I mean, I know Beth has family and Yolanda's family is now complicated, but Rick seems to be the one who needs that the most and who needs the connection to the past the most. Yeah, and as far as like, there are real life implications of that message too, because a lot of teenagers aren't accepted by their families for whatever reason. And I'm thinking about this now, especially with it being Pride Month right now, like a lot of LGBTQ teenagers mm -hmm. like get kicked out of their homes or they're suf they suffer from abuse from their families. So knowing that there are these stories out there of like your family can be um, a family that you adopt for yourself. I think that's right. very strong and like and very needed during these times. I agree. I, I think it's beautiful. And I, I think, again, it wasn't my I like episode four much more but I sort of appreciate what they were trying to do here even if I don't think they actually managed it as well as in the previous episode Courtney's delivery still needs a lot of work like I don't know how that girl Ugh. went around it's like god Courtney every time she would start she, she started her pitch I was like god god first please. of all take off the what mask was she wearing was that a gremlin <laughs> First of all, take that ridiculous thing off. <laughs> Second, you need to work on your pitch, girl. Right. She really, really needs to work on her pitch. And, I mean, she doesn't now because presumably we're done for now. But it was uncomfortable to see, Courtney. And we would like for you to get better at it if in the future you have to recruit more members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I like that... Um, Yolanda has already kind of settled into being part of the team and now she's going with Courtney to get more people on board. I I didn't think that was too fast. I thought that that made sense as far as the two characters. Like it made sense to me that Yolanda would like now really be on board with it. And I just like that we were still given some of that even as we were trying to cram in two other recruits for the team. It It felt real. It felt like... Courtney and Yolanda were already uh, a unit and they were coming into something that was that already existed. Not like they were all trying to find their balance within the team, but it was Courtney and Yolanda and then the new people. Um, mm -hmm. And I really like that because, like you said, it felt real. Like it felt like Courtney and Yolanda were already friends. Um, and I mean, I appreciate that, especially because I think they will have an easier friendship like it wasn't as seamless with Beth for either no. of them. Um, and it obviously wasn't as seamless for Rick. So, I mean, I think the setup is for Courtney and Yolanda to be each other's rock during the season. Oh, I love it. The star cat ship, it is sailing. <laughs> we're like, if that is the ship we're going to get, <laughs> we will forget everything we said about not wanting a romance this year. Okay? That's okay. true. That is the exception. <laughs> um, we also wanted to talk a little about some comments we got on Twitter. So just so you know, if you leave us a comment on Twitter, we might talk about it next episode. So we got some comments on Twitter um, that we sort of wanted to respond or talk about. Um, one of them says, from at enemy of the shoe. That's a really good uh, handle, I will say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it seems, props. It's, 
It seems like all the powers will come from pens, rings, goggles, staves, etc. It makes me wonder if the Flash got his speeds from his World War II helmet. What do you think? So when I read that comment, I was like, yes, like I my brain kind of exploded for a second because I had been talking at length about like, how do you get a flash? Like a flash is really popular, but how are they going to do it on the show? What type of flash? How are they going to give him his powers? Boom. It makes total sense if the item is what gives the speedster power. So whoever Courtney decides to throw that helmet on, um, they're going to be on the track team, I guess. Right, but th- that presents a problem that you wouldn't have if these people had their powers. What happens if they lose the item? Or are we thinking that the item is sentient enough that the item will be like, no, no, you ain't my person. <laughs> so <laughs> how does it work? Like, could someone else work the staff? Could someone else work the goggles? Or like I said, like, once you put it on, that's it. That's you. It like And it's it like imprints on you like a baby duckling (laughs) right it's interesting because it could be a storyline if it's something that they can steal from you that's true like if what if the dog puts on the helmet what happens then (laughs) never getting Uh, that dog back he's out of here he's chasing something (laughs) that'd be a fun scene but probably a waste of the helmet uh, I liked the another comment from at the KT Walker regarding the magician's wife. Do we know how deep her husband was in IJSA? Did he teach her about magic? Do we think she'll return and take up the mantle of magician? There was nobody. Uh, I personally think I always go by the rules. Like if there's nobody, then anything is fair game. I think we're right. definitely going to see Denise again in some capacity. But we don't know in what capacity. Right. I, I agree with you. If there's no body, I'm never giving someone for that. Also, interestingly enough, that someone's pointing out that this episode where we just talked about how weird all things considered was that Rex Tyler's wife went with them. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe this is not just you're the superhero thing. Maybe... Um, it becomes a family business. Ooh, like um, the mafia? Like the mafia. Once you're in, <laughs> that's, there's no going out. But but it also, <laughs> interestingly enough, the, with the magician, um, I mean, it would have to depend on how he got his powers or like how she could get his powers. But with Rex Tyler, like we know how he got his powers. He could have like the same way his powers we were actually powers he could have done something to give his wife powers like i mean i like if i would knew that supervillains were coming after me he they had a year mm, like mm-hmm. wouldn't wouldn't he have given her powers or some magic something i mean that's just planning 101 right i mean you if you know something's gonna happen you prepare for it like if you know you have an old fridge Start researching new fridges. That was probably a bad comparison. But you know what I'm getting at. Is you got to plan ahead. Right. And I mean, I, I don't I don't think they did as good a job of planning ahead as they could have. Because they didn't leave anything for the kid. Although maybe they didn't. They weren't sure about Matt. 
um, who knows what they might have done if, yeah. Interesting. we We really don't know that much about Matt. So maybe he is one of those like last, you know, choices that you would want to make, you know, like you just, oh, that's, this is like in the worst case scenario, we would ask this person, like maybe they had a list and they went through a bunch of other people first. We're like, oh, honey, we're going to have to call your brother um, because we got to go. Like the JSA is all dead. They were all on the list before him. We got no choice here. Um, oh, oh, maybe in like in like an alternate reality, um, Rick was raised by Pat with Courtney. Mm. <laughs> not, not with even... Courtney because they got they met later, but you know but... maybe that could have been part of the family unit coming together. Oh, someone write me that AU, and I don't <laughs> even usually like AUs. So yes, and we got another comment from Captain's Hex. Um, that says calling women of color strong makes our suffering seem less painful and traumatic and brutal. Stop saying it, white people. Stop saying it, white people. Stop showing visuals and media of us suffering. Period. Looking at you, Stargo. Yolanda ain't your Joan of Arc. That's interesting, um, and it doesn't really have as much to do with this episode um, as it does with the previous episode. Because mm-hmm. um, there was another comment that I got. In, in response to this and like a little bit of the conversation about how little nuance there was to the thing with Yolanda. And mm-hmm. I agree. The The thing is, I gave it a pass um, because I thought this is going to be a storyline that's going to carry through the season. If, if we get to the end of the season and that's all we saw from Yolanda's family, then huh, not good. Mm-hmm. Because I agree. I agree. I think there definitely needs to be a balance with that because it's not just the stories of suffering that are worth attention. If we're talking about making things equal for everyone, if we're talking about, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement happening right now, like the stories that we expose ourselves to from that community shouldn't just be the dark suffering stories. There are so many stories of joy and that we also need to make an effort to expose ourselves to. Right. And I, I, I do think that if that's all we see from Yolanda's family, they become a stereotype. Um, and then we are left with a um, with a storyline, like kind of like there was a comparison to Maggie on Supergirl, which was even worse no. for many, many reasons oh, that I'm not going to rant about again. Um, there are many rants from me online. Um, but But part of the problem of that was that there wasn't, um, a Latinx writer trying to give some nuance to the story. And I know uh, there wasn't a Latinx writer behind the Wildcat episode, but if there is some level of research and some level of thought put into it and it comes back during the season, I will feel better than if that is all we saw from Yolanda's family because if if that's all, they became a stereotype. Um, right, and... These stories deserve complexity when we're talking, especially when we're talking about stories regarding women of color. Like, we deserve to have complex stories, not just one-sided stories like, like, oh, she's a strong character, or, oh, she's the character that suffers. We deserve to get as many opportunities for storytelling as the male characters do. Right. And and all things considered, I'm glad they gave the other suffering storyline to Rick and not to Beth. 
because it's yes. like she's happy and well adjusted and good for you um but that doesn't mean that we can't turn around and be like well we want more of yolanda's storyline especially mm-hmm. now that we're moving into the jsa era <laughs> that's always yes. so good it's so exciting. I'm still so excited. Like, even though, again, I love the Wildcat episode, this episode was fine. It's good. It checked a lot of the boxes, but I'm getting really excited for this next episode. Me too. So, Lizzie and I also wanted to remind everyone that this Saturday, the DCTV Podcast Network is hosting our annual charity marathon. And this year, it's to raise money for Feeding America. So, please tune in. Um, If you want to get details on it, we can include it in the show notes. Or you can also head on over to dctvpodcast.com slash fundraiser to find out more information about how to tune in and how to help us support Uh, this great charity. Also, uh, you can visit stargirlpodcast.com for all the latest news about the Stargirl show. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at stargirlpodcast as well. Please tag us in any of the reactions that you have to this week's episode. We would love to talk to y'all. You could also subscribe to Stargirl Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and on Google Play. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, please hit us up with some five-star reviews don't forget that we're part of the dctv podcast network with podcasts for all the dctv shows at dctvpodcast.com follow the network on social media at dctv podcast on facebook twitter and instagram last but not least subscribe to our mega feed on apple Podcasts, stitcher radio and google play dctv podcast also has its own t public store so if you're interested in dctv related merchandise Click on the link in the show notes and get some awesome gear up as it does support the network so we can continue to make these podcasts. Finally, if you have any questions and thoughts about Stargirl, you can email us at stargirlpodcast at gmail.com or tag us on Twitter. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>